0: When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Well, a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now there, I suspect, is the beginning of a story that pretty much everyone will recognize. I mean, it is the story. (laughs) The beginning of all stories. It is a story most biblical scholars would agree, that was written down by someone who is often referred to as the priestly author, an author who is responsible for many key passages in the first five books of the Bible, an author who is especially concerned with things like sacrifices and priestly functions. What they don't agree on is exactly when this author, or group of authors, was active. Though the consensus these days seems to be that this literature was written in the post-exilic period, sometimes during the 500s BCE. One thing does seem clear, however, and that is that many of the stories seem to be informed by the experience of the exile in Babylon. We can well imagine that some of the stories that found their way into this part of the biblical account started as stories that the exiles in Babylon told among themselves as a way to hold on to their heritage and identity in the face of a dominant and influential Babylonian culture that surrounded them. No one knows how it happened, how these stories came to be constructed, but I can't help but wonder if it happened something like this. This is Retelling the Bible. Episode 7.4 The Seven Day Festival It all started with two men who were walking home together after the celebration of the Babylonian New Year. Both men were priests of the people of Judah from the house of Zadok. Ever since their families had been taken away from Jerusalem and brought into exile in Babylon, they had done their best to offer spiritual guidance to their own people. It was not. An easy role to fulfill after all they couldn't preside over the traditional sacrifices in the great temple in jerusalem the temple was gone now they also struggled because the god elohim who had seemed so very near to them when they were in their own land felt distant and absent In this foreign place. They were doing their best to try and hold on to their traditions and to preserve the rituals and practices that they had known when they were back home. But it all seemed so abstract and unreal here. And the worst part was that what had once been the central part of their life, their role as priests had now become little more than a side hustle. They were required to attend to and work for their Babylonian masters throughout the day, leaving so little time and energy to attend to their people. What they had been subjected to on this day had been even worse. They had been forced to attend as servants for the Babylonian New Year celebration. They had stood on the margins and watched as the Babylonians celebrated their great god, Marduk. Today they had done so by recounting the story of how Marduk had become the king of all the gods. I swear to you by Yahweh, complained the elder of the two priests. If I hear one more time today how great Marduk is, I think I'm going to explode. I know exactly what you mean, laughed his younger companion. I mean, that story was so long and boring. But if I understood it correctly, the Babylonians seem to believe that their god, Marduk, brought the world as we know it into being, because he was the only god who was not afraid to battle the great monster of the deep. Um, what was her name? Tiamat, replied his companion. That's right, Tiamat. He defeated her by ripping her in two. He separated the water above from the water below, placing between them the great dome of the heavens. Thus did Marduk create the world in which we live. Ridiculous! Of course it's ridiculous, agreed the older priest. Why, it must be our God, Elohim who created the heavens above and the earth below. And Elohim would not need to accomplish such a thing with violence. Why, surely a word would be enough to bring it all to pass. Yes, yes, replied the younger. And surely all of the other things that the Babylonians say that Marduk did by force our God could accomplish by merely speaking. These Babylonians, they think that force and power is the answer to everything. But Elohim rules by bringing justice, order, and organization to the universe through His word and wisdom, not by violence. The Babylonians say that Marduk imposed order on the universe by placing lights in the dome of heaven and using them to mark the times and seasons, that he opposed the limits on the sea and placed the animals and the people in their proper places. But I cannot escape the feeling that it was Elohim who accomplished these things and did so in quite a different way. The two men walked along in quiet reflection for some time, until finally the elder voiced what was bothering him. "'I am concerned for our people,' he said. "'Here they are, constantly surrounded by the Babylonian way of thinking, and it is the way of Marduk. If we do not teach them otherwise,' Our people will come to believe that violence and power is the only way to bring meaning into this world. They will come to forget the way of Elohim, who rules over creation in wisdom and who brings order to all things. We must find some way to make them see that our God is not like theirs. The two men talked late into the night that day, but they eventually came up with something that they thought could counter the powerful Babylonian cultural influence. It was not a simple plan. Indeed, they would spend the next year planning, composing a liturgy and putting out the word But by the time the next New Year celebration came, they were ready to see all their dreams come to fruition. It was the end of the day. And as the sun drifted towards the horizon on this, the first Sunday of the new year, Judahites from all over the city were gathering. They had completed their work, many attending to their masters and supervisors as they celebrated the Babylonian New Year. And though they were all very tired, and some had given some thought to just going home and resting, there was a certain excitement in the air. For almost a year now, they had been told again and again that they would not want to miss what was going to happen here on this day. The place where they had come was little more than a clearing by the side of the river. But it was a place where the ground formed a natural amphitheater, Everyone could see and hear the two men, the priests, who stood on a small rise in the ground. The expectation was so heightened that the men merely needed to gesture, and all of the people fell silent. People of Judah, one of the priests began you have all been hearing many things about marduk and the babylonian gods in these days of festival but we are here to tell you the story of the great elohim true king of all the gods he went on to explain that over the coming week they were to gather every evening to welcome the new day as it began with the setting of the sun. Day by day, they would be told the story of how it really happened, how Elohim had brought the world as they knew it into being. The older priest, a man who was well known and highly revered throughout the community had stood silent throughout the preliminary remarks, but now he stepped forward and raised his arm and began to cry out with a commanding voice. When Elohim began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep well a wind from Elohim swept over the face of the waters. As the sound of this opening proclamation washed across the crowd, they stood amazed. Then the two priests fell silent to allow the people to talk among themselves a bit. And it seemed as if there was so much to discuss. Almost all of them worked now quite familiar with the Babylonian stories. They knew that the Babylonians saw it differently. What the priest had just said sounded a bit familiar, but not quite exactly the same. The priest had spoken about the darkness covering the face of the deep, and they knew that the Babylonians gave to the deep a name. They called her Tiamat, and she was the monster that caused the great chaos that was at the beginning of all things. But here they were being given a vastly different picture of that primordial chaos. Instead of a terrible monster that needed to be slain, There was this picture of the wind of Elohim brooding over the deep, almost like a bird brooding over her young. Instead of a promise of conflict, it seemed to hold a promise of life. What an interesting difference! When the priest again stepped forward and gestured, The people fell immediately silent to hear what he had to say. Then Elohim said, Let there be light. And there was light. And Elohim saw that the light was good. And Elohim separated the light from the darkness. Elohim called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then, at some secret, prearranged signal, the music began, and a choir of Levites began to sing a hymn of praise to Elohim, the Creator of light. They sang of light shining in the darkness, and bringing hope and life to all the people. And the people stood in awe at the beauty of it all. And then the moment came. It was timed perfectly. Just as the sun hit the western horizon, shining forward in ruby-colored splendor, the music came to a stop. The day, the first day of the week, was finished, for the Babylonian day was counted to begin with the setting of the sun and not its rising, and the Jews had already adopted this reckoning. Silence was allowed to reign over the crowd until the priests began to solemnly intone, There has been evening. And there has been mourning. The first day is done. Return tomorrow. And we will continue to celebrate Elohim, the Creator. And so, the festival of creation began. As tired as they were after long days of work, the Judahites came. They came eagerly to celebrate and to learn about a God whose ways they had begun to forget. And their curiosity and thirst for knowledge was certainly satisfied. On the second day, they were frankly all blown away. The second day focused on how Elohim created the dome of the sky. Ever since they had lived among the Babylonians, they had looked up at the beautiful blue dome of the sky, and they had been given only one explanation for why it was there. The Babylonians told the story of how Marduk their king of all the gods, had been the only god brave enough and strong enough to challenge Tiamat, the great monster of the deep. He had fought against her in a great battle, but had finally triumphed. In his victory, he ripped the monster into two pieces, top from bottom. Thus, he created a space between the water above and the water below. It was, to be sure, a rather exciting and engaging tale, (laughs) a real edge-of-your-seat nail-biter, if you didn't already know how it was going to end anyways. But it was also a little bit disturbing. It seemed to be saying that the earth itself had been built upon a foundation of strife and violence. Imagine their surprise, therefore, when they heard a very different story from the narrating priests. Yes, they spoke of the waters above being separated from the waters below, as the dome of the sky was erected as a solid barrier between them. But instead of being accomplished through a terrible battle, the priests insisted that all of this had been accomplished once again with a word of power. Many found that idea of the forming of the universe to be more reassuring somehow. The next day, the third day of the festival, the priest told the story of Elohim dividing the waters below the dome of the sky and creating dry land. But then, once the priest had continued that story by saying, Then Elohim said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. That declaration was punctuated not merely with song, but also with a feast. The fruits and vegetables of the land were brought forward, and the people invited to eat. Thus. When the priest said that Elohim declared these things to be good, the people still had the taste of that goodness on their lips as they cried out in agreement. And somehow, it always worked out that the celebrations were timed perfectly to come to an end as the sun hit the horizon. And when the priest called out and there was evening, and there was morning. The people would call back joyfully, third day, fourth day, and so on. They were really getting into this. And so the festival continued, with ever more enthusiastic participation from the people. On the fourth day, they celebrated how Elohim created lights upon the dome of the sky. The sun, moon, planets, and stars were to move across the face of the firmament and regulate the passage of times, the seasons, and the festivals of the people. Again, this was something that the Babylonians declared that Marduk had done. But, for the people of Judah, just being able to say and believe that it was their God who had ordered the times and the seasons gave them a thrill of pride and joy that was far too absent from their daily lives. On the fifth day, the priests declared that Elohim had brought forth life from the seas and from the skies in the form of fish and fowl. Of course, this was accompanied by yet another feast on the bounty of the seas and the skies. As the day ended, the people left well satiated once again with the cry of, fifth day on their lips. Day six? (laughs) What can I say about the sixth day of the festival? The people all arrived with great expectation for the next part of the story because they all knew what was supposed to come next. They knew what still remained, the creation of the beasts of the field, but especially of humankind. They knew all too well the story that was told by their masters of how the gods of Babylon had come together to create humanity to be their servants and to work for them. The Babylonians told this story, after all, to justify the ways in which they expected the nations that they had subjugated to serve them. For were they not like unto gods? The people of Judah also knew that the Babylonian story was yet another bloody tale. Indeed, it was literally bloody, for the Babylonians declared that the human race had been formed out of the blood of yet another divine victim, the blood of Kingu, husband of Tiamat. And so the people wondered what new spin their priests might place upon such a tale. They were not disappointed. The story they told of the creation of the beasts of the field was similar to the pattern of the telling on previous days. The cattle and the wild animals and the creeping things were all created at the word of Elohim, each according to their kind. But then... There was a pause, and the people leaned forward in anticipation. They wanted to hear how the people themselves came to be, and the story they told was indeed quite different. The priests told of Elohim convening a divine council. All of the gods of all of the nations came together under the leadership of Elohim. This only made sense, of course, because everybody knew that every nation had had its own god. So how could the people be made without the consent of all the gods? As it said, when El Yon apportioned the nations, when he divided humankind, He fixed the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the gods. So yes, of course the various gods needed to be part of this. And so, the priest proclaimed, Elohim summoned the gods and declared, Let us make humans in our image according to our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. That was different. Oh, not the part about the gods creating humanity together. That story had been told before. But, where the Babylonians had only spoken about the idea that people had been made to serve the gods, here was a radically new view. How could it be that humans were made in the image of the gods? And even more strikingly, that they should be made to rule and dominate over the other parts of creation. But the people were given only moments to ponder these thoughts before the choir burst out in song again. So Elohim created humans in his image. In the image of the gods, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Elohim blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Yes, the sixth day of the festival blew everybody's minds. The people were surprised to hear that the festival was going to be held over for a seventh day. They not already celebrated everything that had been created by now? Was not the creation of humanity? And of a humanity created in the image of God, created to rule? Was that not the very pinnacle of creation? I mean, where could the story go from there? As Saturday, the seventh day of the week, drew towards sunset, they came together, as they had been asked to do, because they wanted to know. They remembered, as they came, how the seventh day of the week had always been a very important day back when they lived in the land of Israel. It had always been a day of special celebration and worship. In particular, it had been the one day a week when everyone in their society, slave and free, rich and poor, could rest alike from their labors they still carried many fond memories of Saturdays back in the land. But, of course, their Babylonian overlords did not much like the idea of their captive workers who lived among them taking whole days off from their work. As a result, the observation of the seventh day had largely fallen into neglect among the captives. But they still remembered that it was a special day. And there were some who wondered whether the priests might speak to the old observance today. But even those who were expecting something along that line were surprised at what they heard. When the moment was right, and everyone was leaning forward to hear, the elder priest stood forth, and he began to orate. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. On the sixth day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. And all of those who were there on that day, the final day of the first great festival of creation, never forgot and never lost the fire that had been kindled within them by the words that they heard. On that day, they discovered that the observance of the seventh day, a day of rest and radical equality, was not just some old provincial custom that could be safely ignored. It was something that Elohim had built into the very structure of the universe. That would ever after make them think differently about the work demands that were placed upon them. The Babylonians might not like it, but the experience of hearing this story had awakened a new self-respect among them. There would be many other festivals of creation over the future years of the exile. It remained a popular and much anticipated festival among all the people. But no one ever forgot that first one. Nobody knows exactly when or how the famous account of the seven days of creation was constructed. What I have offered to you today is mere speculation. But it is speculation based on a few observations. The story seems to have been told with some knowledge of the Babylonian creation myth which was recited as part of the New Year's celebrations in Babylon. Even more important, it seems to have been told in order to counter, to a certain extent, the content of the Babylonian tale. In addition, the repetitious and formalized nature of the story and its sophisticated structure All suggest that it may have had its origins in some sort of ritual at least it reads like a liturgy whether there was some festival of creation that was held by the exiles in Babylon at some point we cannot know but it does make sense to me that this could be how it all started And that is something that I always think of when I talk to people who insist that the Bible states that God must have created everything that existed in six days, some 6,000 or so years ago. I always wonder if it might not be possible that the first people who heard and repeated the story of creation We're very much aware that that span of time of seven days was not really about how long it took God to create everything. It was about how long it took the people to celebrate it. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. And yeah, leave a review on your podcast provider to help other people find and appreciate this podcast. The theme music for the podcast is Ah by Kevin MacLeod and the mood music for this episode is The Gigantic Epic Day After Tomorrow by Sasha End. The music is licensed under the Creative Commons and can be found at filmmusic.io. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible on the Facebook page, Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. Thanks again to my Patreon supporters who back this podcast. And welcome to my new supporter, Karen Escobar. You're amazing. If you'd like to join them or discover the benefits they receive go to patreon.com slash retellingthebible. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless.